0: Innisfirgedance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. You, for to face and never Previously on the Innis Forgetance, Elga the Storykeeper and Kara the Soul Shepherd Worked fervently to understand the mysterious, death like state Brana had fallen into after she was consumed by her ominous warning haze. But before they could, Yerdit forces attacked the Innis Stone Fort. Elga, in the past. Mothers had fled with children to hide in the crags in the cliffside. Men and women gathered the bodies. Navy night surrendered to gray light of an overcast morning, while Innes mourners named their dead. Brennus and Cecil, Turla said. His Angus said Abin, and Ninian. Turla and Aben grumbled the names, voices breaking as they hoisted each corpse and dropped them on top of each other. Elga watched, a pit growing in her stomach. No one could speak it, but all knew. Too many Innes had been slain, Too many giftings lost. Too many dead. Not enough left alive. Not enough time to afford proper burial. The land would burn again with a bone fire. The air would carry the stench of scorching corpses. Comrades. Kara, Turla said. Jola, whispered Abin. Abin had to stop now. He covered his face, knelt by the messenger, and released a guttural wail. One by one, Innes followed suit, taking to the knee, taking a moment to mourn. Loud cries rose to the skies, the most tormented sound Elga had ever heard. Beside her, Kara covered her eyes. I have never witnessed so many souls ejected from their bodies at once. She sucked in a skittering breath. (sighs) The sight will forever be my nightmare. As if marshaled by an unspoken, collective resolve, all of them buried their heartbreak and rose again. Together they finished the hellish task of piling up dead friends. When the sun glowed orange, a half-circle at the lip of the horizon, Turla summoned the triad. Markant will supervise the fire, he said darkly. Those who survived have been advised to hide in the cliffside until we can determine a course of action. His lips tightened as though holding additional words at bay. He eyed the locksmith, the soul shepherd, but not Elga. Has anyone reported seeing Seamus? The triad shook their heads. Kara? The soul-shepherd closed her eyes, opening her spiritual senses. She grew deathly still, as though her own body had emptied of her spirit. I... I don't believe him to be dead, but he's far, far away. He fled, Abin spat. The coward... We need to strategize, Turla said. We can't do it here. Convene by the sea at once. Elga started, unable to help herself. But Brona Storykeeper... Now Turla looked at her, eyes flaming with indignation. Your deceit about your granddaughter initiated this slaughter. I couldn't care less if she dies... Elga's chest burned. Tell me that if Aid, your only son, only hope of continuing your bloodline, Turla, were in mortal danger, you wouldn't cast all your tribe into the sea to ensure... Are you admitting it, then? Turla bellowed. Kara stepped between them. My king... Hear me as Soul Shepherd when I insist that we protect Brona. Turla crossed his arms. We need her gifting, Kara said. Really, Turla growled. She's the first in our history with such a gift. It has been misunderstood, underestimated, until I entered the shelter last night. Brona was the doorway for love and peace and all good things in our tribe. She will be instrumental in our healing if we can get her spirit back. Turla took a steadying breath. The diminutive Kara didn't break his gaze. Morkant, he called without turning from her. After the fire, station yourself at Brana's shelter. Let nothing touch the storykeeper's granddaughter. Elga forced herself to remain stoic and thought, "Thank you, Kur. Thank you." Aben shifted. What about the red lights? The triad and the king glanced skyward, but the orbs were gone. I don't know, Kara said. They retreat from light. Other than that, I've discerned nothing. Elga's heart flipped. The soul-shepherd lied. Lied for her. Lied for Brana. Turla didn't react. We must scour the land. Make sure all Innis are accounted for. Alive or dead. Go in pairs. Aben straightened. The women shouldn't go alone, Aben said. Agreed, said Turla. You go with Elga. Aben shot a dark look Elga's way. They'd gone for three hours. Elga struggled down the cliffside. Abin assisted her, but she thought his grip on her wrist was unnecessarily tight. Eons of ocean waves lapping had carved tongue-shaped intrusions in the rocks where the cliff's base met the rocky shore. Their ancestors had chiseled them further, creating tunnels unfit for long-term living but safe for the emergencies they hoped they would never face. They had never faced any until now. She and Abin had identified several more dead, killed by flame or smoke inhalation while fleeing the fort. Our population is too slim. Abin spoke his first words to Elga since they had left. They stood on the rocky beach, Aben's robes marbleized with sweat. Even if we harnessed all our giftings, too many good soldiers, too many men and women are dead. And why? Elga flinched. Why, Storykeeper? He screamed the question and the waves carried it out to the horizon as though it would echo forever. His eyes flashed an unbearable mix of anger and despair. Elga wanted to shout at him, grab his robes and shake him, make him understand, force him to give her grace. But the weight of her role in their tragedy crushed her, If she hadn't moved in fear, if she hadn't forced Brawna to marry, if she had been forthright about Brawna's gifting and sought Kara's spiritual insight from the beginning, she fell to her knees, took Abin's hands in hers, pressed her forehead to his knuckles. I didn't know, she said, voice hoarse. I wanted to protect my granddaughter. I didn't know. I will never ask you to forgive me, Aben. Just know that I didn't know. And if I knew... He yanked his hands from hers. Time may heal, as much as I can't believe it. But time will never... Forget Elga, and you, story keeper. Well, you can keep it, keep it all. With that, Abin turned away. She and Abin managed to forge the appearance of solidarity when they visited the O'Hay family. Siobhan, the eldest played hand games to distract young Cormac from the distressing adult talk, but little Aelis couldn't be pried from her parents, Mara and Goran. "'When can we return to our fort?' asked Mara. "'Only once we are certain the Yerdit threat is removed.' But Aben's jaw ticked. How many died?' Asked Gorin. Mara squeezed his forearm and nodded toward the children. When he pulled his arm away, it bore tiny crescent moon marks from her nails. Will my plant friends forgive me? Little Alice's lip quavered. Dearest, Elga couldn't resist moving toward the girl and taking her hands. Now, why would they need to forgive you? Other made us made us run uh, and I I had to choose between the blanket she made me or, or the plant friend Brauna gave me. I couldn't carry them both. Tears streamed down the little girl's cheeks. Elga gathered Ailis in her arms. Yes, yes, Ailis. Don't worry, your sweetheart. Where is Brona? Ailis asked between sniffles. She's sleeping. It was true, in some manner or other. By the time she struggled onto the deck of their only ship, exhaustion so riddled Elga. She couldn't be sure if she or the ship swayed. Steadying herself, she struggled to sit, every muscle sore and spent over the past twenty-four hours since Seamus' rant about the Everchild. Clinging to the mast, she gingerly lowered herself to the ground. Abin stayed standing, lantern in his hand, scowl on his face. "'Turla and Kara should be here imminently.' Tumultuous ocean winds brought welcome relief from the accusing heat of the summer day. The cornflower sky deepened with the dipping sun, dappled by heavy, violet-gray clouds. Rain would come in a matter of days. But the coal-dark stains on their tribal land would remain much longer. She turned toward the cliffs and started at the sight of a figure. Tall, with blanched skin, like her own people. Gone when she rubbed her eyes. Aben. she said. Did you see that? she asked. See what? The man... At the cliff's edge, Aben turned, shrugged, shook his head. Maybe it's Turla. No, he was shirtless. It's a summer's eve, Elga. Could be any number of Innis men. Footsteps crunched on rock and sand. Elga turned to see Turla and Kara approaching amidst the glow of their shared lantern. When they boarded the ship, they both appeared to carry an invisible, heavy burden. The number of able-bodied soldiers is down by almost a third, Turla said. Outright retaliation against the Yerdit is out of the question. So many fatherless families, Kara gazed out to sea, mothers hiding with their children In caves. What are our options now? Aben snapped. Yardut have always wanted this tiny island to themselves, said Turla, crossing short, bulky arms over his chest. Always have. Always will. They've always been more populous. Kerba's death gives them indefinite reason to pummel us with attacks. And with our dwindling numbers... Even they know we are more limited than ever. Our only hope of winning against them is a covert approach, if we intend to fight for our land. If we intend to fight, Aben stood rigid. Turla stared at him, stone-faced. Kara looked at the floor as though suspiciously unsurprised by the conversation's turn. Aben shot Elga an unrepentant glare before turning back to his king. Tulla, it's our land. We came first. We let them have space when they arrived. And they've wanted more, since they set foot on the soil. Look around, Locksmith, he gestured down the coastline. This is a small island with an ever-growing population. Peaceable existence wouldn't last forever. Without merging together, Kara said in a soft voice. Both men scoffed. Ask Elga how that attempt worked. Better yet, Aben gestured in the direction of Fort, where smoke still twirled in faint plumes. Ask Morkant, tending the dying bonefire. Enough. Despite taut, tired muscles and screaming joints, Elga struggled to her feet. My intention was always forthright and noble. You blessed it, Aben. You helped bring it to pass. Or do you want the credit but not the blame? Neither of us could have anticipated... We might have anticipated, avoided, if you hadn't hid the dark side of Brawna's gifting. Even I didn't understand it, Elga interrupted. I didn't dare put it to the test. And yet, here we stand. Enough! Turla's bellow silenced both locksmith and storykeeper. Would you bring further division to our tribe with your infighting? Elga dipped her head in apology. Aben did likewise, jaw muscles ticking. There's no way around our ruin if we don't work together. Turla's voice was like the low growl of waves crashing against the rocky Inneskellig beach. Did any of those you visited today mention half-clothed figures... Kara asked in a half-minded daze. No. No. Elga and Abin replied at once, but Elga straightened. A few people mentioned half-clothed men. One described body markings in dark spirals. Kara's brows knitted in concern. Could they be spies? Spies wouldn't make their appearance so memorable said Turla. Even Yerdet ceremonial garb doesn't match that description. I have appointed Duncan and Agen to investigate. Turla rubbed his beard, casting his gaze up to the now dark sky. His carefully curated facade flinched for only a moment, revealing the truth of the toll the last few days had taken on him. Rest then. He said, We visit the caves again at first light. The splintering boards on deck made for a hostile resting place, but Elga's muscles screamed as they relaxed into them anyway, leaving the stone like knot in her belly as the only remaining source of tension. Desperation to be with Brana chewed at her insides. "'Rest now,' she told her body. "'You must rest. You do her no good if you push yourself too far and collapse down the cliffs.'" Hours passed before the others relented to sleep, while their breathing coincided with the crash and pull of waves— Elga stared at the cliffs, at the minuscule lights floating over the land. In the heat of battle, perhaps Abin hadn't noticed them. In the aftershock of bloodshed, perhaps Turla had forgotten them. Tomorrow, certainly, their scrutiny would blaze into her again. But at least for tonight, tonight alone... She evaded one small battle on Brana's behalf. The knowledge brought minor comfort, and minor comfort was all it took to let her eyelids droop, heavy like waterlogged wool. No one had asked about the red lights. The Innes Forgetance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Neverseen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelai. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with Behind the Scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a Pen.